0: In this edition of the podcast, She-Robots at Shed's Gallery. The promised female future has apparently arrived in robotics, radically reshaping practices of design, construction and manufacturing social and cultural robots. She-Robots features iconic and emerging examples of robotic tools, toys and companions from across the globe and asks the fundamental questions about the nature and processes of contemporary robotics through the lens of female perspectives. We'll speak with two of the three curators about the blurred demarcation the exhibition presents between art and technology, and about the practical aspects of one exhibition with three curators. I'm Tim Stackpole and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks for downloading the podcast once again. As this edition comes to you from Tin Sheds Gallery within the grounds of Sydney University, located on Gadigal land, part of the Eora nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And as always, a transcript of the discussion today can be downloaded from our website at www.insidethegallery.com.au. Now, we're at Tin Sheds to talk about a rather interesting exhibition and one that really cements the concept of technology and art together, although that may not be the primary intention. She-Robots tool, toy, companion can be seen until the 10th of December and it features the work of 21 participants and their collaborators presenting experimentations with new robotic forms and applications questioning the nature and processes of contemporary robotics from a distinctly female perspective. It's put together by three curators, one of which Dagmar Reinhardt, who is an architect, researcher and associate professor at the School of Architecture, Design and Planning at the University of Sydney. She can't join us, but here today is Leanne Loke, Associate Professor in the School of Architecture, Design and Planning at the University of Sydney. Her research explores how to design embodied and movement-based interactions and experiences with emerging technologies that support human agency, creative expression, skill and vitality. And She joins us here on the podcast, as well as Deborah Turnbull-Tillman. She's a lecturer in media arts and curatorial and currently also leads the research stream for culture and technology across the Creative Robotics Lab and the National Facility for Human-Robot Interaction Research. Welcome to you both.
1: Hello. Lovely to join you, Tim.
0: Yeah, let me start with you. I'm kind of finding it difficult to describe what this exhibition really is. But before we get to that, let's go back to how it all came about.
1: I think the idea for the exhibition probably came about only a couple of years ago. It did emerge out of work that I've been doing with um, my long-term collaborator Dagmar Reinhardt, who's also one of the curators in the show. And uh, she has been working in robots in architecture for at least the past decade. And she did host a big conference, an international conference um, in Sydney in 2012, Robots and Architecture, that did bring a lot of um, international uh, researchers uh, to Sydney and published a book out of it. So she's been looking at that area of robotic fabrication, tools for architects and designers to use. I'm an interaction designer, a, an artist and a performer, and Dagmar is an architect. And designer. And we both do research and creative practice. So in bringing together our different fields and interests, we're now working uh, very strongly in the area of collaborative robotics. So looking at what happens when robots become in very close contact and proximity to humans. And we're bringing a variety of methodologies and thinking to that. So it's also like very practical ways of thinking about tools and what you can do with them in new context, but also looking at more artistic approaches where we might look at how you, like for example, one of our works, which is a lipstick drawing robot, how you can actually um, sort of unpack that action of a very feminine ritual of putting on lipstick that's almost universal. And what do you do when you put a robot into that particular repertoire?
0: There are three curators across this and you seem to have broken up or demarcated your exhibition, I guess in three different areas. So design architect, as you just mentioned, an artist performer and a media curator. Has it been a challenge working together, collaborating in that fashion?
2: Um, I think that in this way, it hasn't been difficult. So I've worked with Leon and Dagmar for probably the last 15 years. Um, I've known Leon since she was doing her PhD. We've never had trouble working together. It's always been collaborative. It's always been kind of this riffing off of each other for ideas and like with the different specialisms that we all embody and all kind of radiate to the community and draw back to us into our research centers. It's really easy to pull together quite a disparate group of practitioners and and a multidisciplinary exhibition. And, you know, I don't think anybody that we asked said no. Mm. Everybody that we asked said yes. So I think that's kind of a testament to the way that we work together. And when they asked me to work with them, I just said yes right away.
0: There's so many different facets to the exhibition. I mean, was it? did you start off with hundreds of concepts and then have to whittle them down? How did you work that out between yourselves?
2: I was invited um, kind of in a, a more production and gallery liaison role because that's kind of what I did before. I was a curator at the Powerhouse Museum and an independent curator for about 10 years with researchers in, this, in these disciplines. And Leanne and Dagmar, I think, kind of conceived it together out of the work they had been doing together, like the artworks that they had been doing together. And then they came to me and said, what if we had a show that embodied the way that we're making artworks together and other people that are working in the same way? And, and what if it was all women? Mm. And I have to say that got my attention as well, because for a very long time, it's really been important to me to work with women and to platform women, especially in these like, quite traditionally male roles like male materials of coding, interaction design, the materials of robotics. So the hardware and the software has typically been a male domain. Mm-hmm. And for Leon and Dagmar, two quite strong forces in our community, our research community, to then come to me and say, do you think we could bring enough people together for an exhibition? I just went, yes. And in fact, one of the, the younger women um, in the show said to me, with you, Leon and Dagmar curating, there's no way. I would say no.
0: So, Lianne, I mean, basically then we move further up the tree to you going back in time. You get together with Dagmar and think about this. You have to reach out to somebody like Deb. How do you make that kind of decision as to who to choose from out of your pool of, of experts and academics to decide who you're going to liaise with?
1: Okay, that's an interesting question, Tim. I think there's, there's two aspects to it. Of course, there's actually working with Deb and Dagmar. And I think, um, as, as Deb's already alluded to, like we do have a, we've had a really um, creative and productive relationship over the last decade, um, working on various kinds of um, shows and exhibitions that have um, often actually come out of student um, teaching at a studio practice. Um, I've done things with Deb before. Uh, and other exhibitions that I think, especially in our School of Architecture, Design and Planning, we have the Tin Sheds Gallery. It's a really great platform for, for transitioning either practice or student work into an exhibition setting. And that's what's really exciting to think about a lot of, often it can be um, work that might be considered technical or um, that you then uh, sort of re-present it in a gallery setting and, and offer the audience new ways of uh, in- engaging with that work. The Tinsheds Gallery has has recently relaunched and has an open call for programs, Um, and so they do offer a lot of uh, resources um, in terms of helping us produce the show. And um, we're hoping this will be the first – this is the first iteration of She Robots, and um, we're already thinking much bigger than just this um, show in Sydney, which of course is is really an experimental form of how we can bring together this incredible network of women – from around the world, part of what we're doing is the network of women is as important as the works themselves. I think in that too, you could say that's a more feminist approach in terms of approaching this exhibition and and networks that we're trying not to be competitive, Um, we're trying to create opportunities for younger women, uh, opening up, um, I think, career opportunities for girls in high schools who might not have thought about robotics in this particular way. And so we're trying to, as, I guess, dispel the sort of myth of what robots are that we see in popular culture. They tend to be, you know, you've got the movies and all those kinds of humanoid robots, uh, but then you've got a lot of, you know, the past probably 50 years of research have been in laboratories. It's really hard engineering work and all that kind of stuff. So we're looking now at this moment in time when I think, you know, in the next decade there will be robot. we'll be living with robots. And so that's the big question we're also asking, what's that going to look like and how can women bring a very sort of valuable perspective to that.
0: So Deb, are we looking at an exhibition of art here or is it is it a display of technology? Where does this sit, this show?
2: Well, I'd say it sits kind of in three, like with three disciplines as a guide, but the actual conversation across the space and across the disciplines is that there really is no one way to display this. We have to display it in a multiple approach way. Like we have to show it in its different key forms so we thought about actually our disciplines and we thought like what are we good at dagmar obviously is going to do tool in industry you know, Leanne's obviously going to do the creative, performative works that her own practice embodies. And then I'm, I'm probably going to look at my relationships with artists and see who I can bring to the table in terms of translating that companion or that relational aspect that the audience might have when they encounter the works. So you have to keep in mind, Tim, like when you go in, you're not going to find a robot building a car, for example. You're not going to see a robot lifting a human in and out of bed or, or changing their drip in a hospital bed. You're going to walk in and you're going to see different building materials arranged in certain ways. You're going to see films that are speaking to each other over over thematic uh, relationships. You're going to see, you know, questions around domestic care and should robots be looking after babies. And then you're going to see a seminal work by Maria Valinaki where she uses iconography like wheelchairs. They're not wheelchairs, but they are They look like wheelchairs and they perform a kind of romantic dance with each other and write poetry to each other. So two people at a time go in there and they move around with the robots and the robots learn how they move around and start to engage with the audience members. So when you go in, it's going to look like probably a lot of different things. It'll look like films, it'll look like building materials, it'll look like wheelchairs, it'll look like... You know, Sisyphus sweeping is another work of Leon and Dagmaris, where they have a robotic arm doing this gentle sweeping motions or doing like constantly all the time. So it pulls on an ancient Greek myth, but it's in a in a contemporary context of what will robots be doing when they are living with us in our homes. So it's, it'll kind of look like a lot of different things, but we hope that what the audience might take away is engagement with a range of robotics practice, creative, social and industrial.
0: Dev's just given us quite a shopping list of perhaps what we could expect to see, particularly from her side of the curatorial aspect of the exhibition. But Liane, what are you bringing to the show? What have you created for the audience to enjoy?
1: I think one of the um, unique things about this exhibition too is that it's it's not um, it goes beyond the works in the exhibition and we have this concept of the living laboratory. And that is um, something we've been carefully curating or sort of working th- to thread it throughout. So we do have a couple of the uh, KUKA industrial robots that we have in our, in our DMAF laboratory um, at the school. And we've been able to uh, move those up into the, into the gallery. And so they will be performing certain kinds of movements and actions in there that we hope will intrigue the audience. And they'll get to actually see, you know, industrial robotic arm up close which usually you don't, you know, they're usually in factories or they're cordoned off behind safety fences and things like that. So that's quite exciting to have those actual robots in there. But then we have it where one of the things I'm, I really love is the idea of performance, so doing uh, performance by robots and by humans. And so the work of and Meinbach, Rob Saunders and Rochelle Haley is a wonderful piece that we're having at the closing. It's on the 9th of December Well, there'll be two dancers and their cube robot We'll be doing a performance work with Rochelle, um, also doing some gestural drawing, So you'll see a very different kind of robot. It's a cube. We don't normally think of robots as cubes, but they're really interested in exploring, I guess, the shape, the form, the morphology of robots and how you get these unique languages that uh, emerge out of humans and robots interacting.
0: 21 participants in this exhibition. However, not all the works that you want to include actually can be here in person, if I can put it that way. Is there a significant online component to this exhibition as well?
1: Tim, yes, that was one of the the challenges we had actually with the show. There was all this amazing work from around the world, but most of it we couldn't actually um, get here because it was either a robot, like a large robot that would cost thousands of dollars to transport, or large works and structures. So some of the show does have quite a few um, videos of like process work. So we can actually see how these women are working with robots, how they're creating them and creating different kinds of materials and things. But we do have a really active online program. So there are a number of panel talks that are both gonna be in the gallery and also bringing in some of those uh, women from around the world to talk on panels. And then there's a couple of workshops as well that are both in the gallery and remote So you can actually learn. We're inviting um, practitioners, uh, students, other researchers to come in if they want to join these workshops where they can actually learn about new robotic techniques. Um, It might be about doing cloud-controlled, remote-controlled robotic fabrication or it might be about using an interesting interface to be more creative in terms of how you design structures. And so um, people actually get to learn those tools, which are not readily available at the moment, and really sort of put them at the cutting edge of also their professional practice.
0: But do you have a particular focus in order to ensure that what you're presenting is that balance between art and technology?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think because all of us are are involved with the arts and in creative practice as part of our disciplines. Um, one of the one of the talks that go with the companion theme is about gender, sexuality, and ethics of robotics. So that's like how. What do the robots look like? What rights are they due? Depending on the way that they look, um, are they in their infancy or are they quite an established type of robot? So, so all of those kind of topics will be discussed in some of the public programs. So for example, on the 17th of November, we've got a talk on gender, sexuality and ethics, which features a panel of artists, three of whom are in person and, and one of whom is Ellen Knox coming in from Japan um, via live feed.
0: I wanna come back to the concept of art. And how this is an art form? Look, we do have, and and we featured extensively in the podcast series, works at the Powerhouse Museum. Because it is a museum of applied arts and sciences. Is this an applied arts and science or is 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 it is it more than that? Is the is, is the art form in the design rather than the product?
2: Well, um, I'll tell you a story. I used to be the design and technology curator for the powerhouse, and I had to look after things like good design, uh, design tech, which was the HSC exhibition. And then I did kind of all of the, the short term exhibitions that would come through like an ISEA, which is an international symposium of electronic arts, where we took over four levels of the museum with interactive art. And normally, like the museum can't keep up with an emerging technology like that. But my relationship with the powerhouse started in um, an experimental way with a small theaterette called Beta Space, And we looked at that exact question. We looked at where does the art start and the technology start and how do they work together? And what is actually the effect on the audience? Who is the third material in that, in that kind of trifecta? Um, so you've got the design, you've got the technology, but you've also got the intent of the artist. So what is the creative person involved in the relationship intend? Do they intend for it to be like, you know, a creative output? Are they building a robot to, to build a car? So there's always been this crossover, even though the Powerhouse Museum is science design technology. They articulate or they recognize that a huge part of this is creativity. And how do we capture with an experiment creativity in a way that's really interesting, intriguing, and different to the audience? And I think that's the beautiful thing about the powerhouse is they really understand those delineations and how they work really well together. And they invite research groups in. They invite people in to explore that. They don't say, hey, we know how to do it best. They say, who knows how to do it best? And they bring them onto the floor. So I think, I think they do it well. I think the powerhouse does it well. And I think it's not any one thing. So that's the point of the multidisciplinarity is it's many things. What we're doing at Tin Sheds is exploring the creativity aspect, platforming it as creative experimental practice. This is emerging. So what Leon was saying before about it being a great space for students to cross over from learning into applied practice is that emerging practice. This is where you can experiment. It's safe to experiment. It's encouraged.
0: With your focus, Leon, on arts and creativity, was there any point in you putting this show together where you said, this is too technological. There isn't enough artistic merit in this, were you torn at all internally in that respect?
1: I think all of the works in the show, um, you can we can interpret them in different ways. So, and I personally have a very fluid um, relationship to art and design. I sometimes call myself an artist. I sometimes call, call myself a designer. I also have a very technical background. So, for me, I don't actually like those strict categories. And I think you can always find art or find design in any of the works. Actually, there's always an aspect of that. So whether you're you know, designing a piece of software to make a robot do something particular or the robot itself is then, um, you know, creating something beautiful, some beautiful structure with um, a biomaterial, you know, there's an aesthetic also in, um, in the, the output, the result. But we're also looking, I guess, at robot movement as well. So is there something in the expressive motion of the robot, the way it communicates, the way it makes you feel? like that aspect of sort of also kind of kinesthetic relationality is very interesting in a lot of the works as well. So in terms of those, uh, I guess, those categories of tool, toy, and companion, they're quite slippery, um, and we have grouped works in them in the catalogue, but really as a point of departure. So it might be you might traditionally think of this as a tool, but actually there's all these other ways of thinking about it, and if you start to look at it as a toy, where does it take you?
2: Or a companion, where does it take you? I think um, the really interesting thing that what Leon's talking about is that we are really trying to de-silo, like definitions of of what robotics is. So is it is it male-led? No, not always. Here's all the women that are doing um, similar things or expanding the understanding of what robotics has been until now. And you know they're doing it in the same way. They're in the research labs, or they're working with industry, or they're making artworks. But they're not generally platformed at the front of those industries. So that's what we really wanted to do. I think when we came together, we really saw the importance of bringing women to the, to the forefront in a creative and expressive way. And, um, and I think even, the, even if you look in the industrial category, in Dagmar's category... It's incredibly creative like what she's getting the robots to do like these are really strong robot arms that can lift cars and things like they're so strong and typically considered quite dangerous like they need to have a technician with them at all times Dagmar's programmed them to do these really beautiful things you know like beautiful sweeping or like the twirling of like a honey spoon or or something that you wouldn't even think of you know, and she slowed it down and made it gentle and, and choreographed it in a way that you understand the machine in such a completely different way. And Leon, I wonder if you could talk to the Galathea girls' um, Idle Hands, because that's another project that I'm really excited about. Yeah, the
1: work um, Deb's alluding to here is um, by this fantastic uh, duo, Gilly Ron and Irina Bogdan from, from Europe, and, and they go the, under uh, the name of Galathea. And we invited them, they have a a film in the show, but we also invited them to um, respond in a sort of cross-contamination of this work called Sisyphus Sweeping, where the robot's sweeping in an endless loop. And they had this really beautiful idea of um, looking at the secret life of robots. What do robots do when humans are not around? Like if you did have these industrial robots in the show, when the humans disappear from the gallery, what do they get up to? Are they, um, or are they striking? Do they have, you know, are they, you know, like, is there a sense of robot rights? You know, are they just slaves to humans or do they have their own agency? So we're really interested. um, That will be developed during the show. We haven't seen what their response yet, but it's a really exciting form of sort of intervention in in the living lab category.
0: Interesting how you talk about robot rights because looking through the catalogue and reading some of the essays that have been presented in the catalogue, there seems to be a certain level of sentimentality towards the robots, like a sense of protection. Do you get that feeling as well?
1: I think there are some of the works, especially from the some of the artists that have a, a, a feminist, um, very strong feminist approach they're bringing where they are um, really looking at, well, you know, there's the, the Pygmalion myth of man creating woman or creating a gynoid or female robot mm-hmm. that maybe a man would like. I think there's a few of the artists that are really contesting that and a lot of those assumptions that get built into robots and particularly female Uh, gynoid robots. And then Eleanor Knox, um, who's an Australian artist now working in Japan, she's been doing incredible work uh, looking at these gynoids that are usually taking on female service roles or servicing in the hospitality industry, or they might be sex workers. So she's doing this incredible work where she's really critiquing that and looking at the rights of gynoid robots are uh, usually through film work. So she creates, she actually employs, I would employs, she uses, uh, <laughs> the funny. actors um, are yeah. gynoids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether she pays those gynoid <laughs> uh, actors, but they are Extra actually, that yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a fantastic film called Pathetic Fallacy in, in the show that um, is an elderly human woman and a gynoid um, having a conversation together and the older woman is brushing the younger woman's hair. So you can't tell when you're first looking at the film that it's actually a robot. And that's part of her critique as well. And you know, what is the the way that gynoid robot carries herself? Is she is she demure? Is she at the service of humans or men in particular? Like, um, what what's governing the way she conducts herself and the sort of virtues that the robot has of are, are of interest?
2: I think for me, I do feel. Um... An empathy or a closeness with a lot of the works because many of them were developed in the Creative Robotics Lab. So the Fishbird of Mari Valnaki is a seminal work for her was created at Australian Centre for Field Robotics at, at the University of Sydney. So in a way, it's coming home after twenty years. It's coming back to where it was created, but it was developed all over the world um, in different iterative exhibitions and has done a lot of development at the Creative Robotics Lab. Petrina Boek's work, uh, which is the Moving with Non-Humans, now was originally Machine Movement Lab, also developed at the Creative. Robotics Robotics Lab and Ellen and Ox's work, Pathetic Fallacy, was also created at the Creative Robotics Lab. So I have seen these works grow over the past decade and I do feel really close to them, to the elements, to the people who made them, the women who made them, to the output, to what they've become. So there is a lot of care in, in putting them forward, in putting them forward for the world to then consume and, and kind of feedback on what they think. I think that there is a risk and there is a vulnerability about putting these things out there that aren't fully formed yet. And I think that that's that's probably the risk and the inherent thrill of it.
0: Well, it sounds like a terrific exhibition and I certainly recommend anyone to come along and take a look at it, whether you have an interest in art or technology or a mixture of both. And I really thank you both for your time on the podcast today.
2: Thank you, It's a pleasure, (laughs) to. It was fun. See you at the show.
0: (laughs) That's Associate Professor Leanne Loke, from the University of Sydney, along with Deb Turnbull Tillman, who's a lecturer at UNSW Art and Design, both one of three curators of She Robots at Tin Sheds Gallery. And you can learn more about that at the Sydney Uni website. The URL is a bit convoluted, so just Google Tin Sheds Gallery or follow the link in the description of this episode at www.insidethegallery.com.au, where you can also download a transcript of our discussion today. That is the podcast for this edition. Until the next episode, I'm Tim Stackpole. Bye bye for now.